morning, y'all. I'm Katie Kamen, and it's Wednesday, January 31st. On this date in 1863, during the Civil War, the first South Carolina Volunteers was mustered into federal service in Beaufort. It was an all-black Union regiment composed of many escaped slaves. And on this date in 1958, the U.S. officially entered the space age with the first successful launch of a satellite. That satellite was Explorer 1, and it was launched from Cape Canaveral. And here's your trivia question on this Wednesday. On this date in 1949, the very first TV daytime soap opera made its premiere from the NBC station in Chicago. What was the name of that first TV soap? I'll tell you in just a couple of minutes, but first... It's time to check in on that Wednesday forecast. And good Wednesday morning to you. I'm meteorologist Joey Sovai. Checking in on the weather for today. A couple of spotty showers out the door this morning through lunchtime. And then we'll kind of dry out as the day wears on. Not a ton of rain this morning, but a few spotty showers. So take the umbrellas just in case. Mostly cloudy this afternoon. Highs today will be in the upper 50s. And with more clouds, it'll be noticeably cooler. We were sunny with 60s yesterday. We'll go back to that starting tomorrow. But tomorrow morning to start out, we'll be in the 30. So a little chilly tomorrow morning. First thing 63 tomorrow afternoon, 67 warmer on Friday and for the weekend highs in the low to mid 60s. We'll see a chance of rain approaching late in the day on Sunday. You're listening to Morning Y'all, your local headlines and first alert weather forecast powered by the Low Country's news leader, Life 5 News. Now let's get to your morning headlines. Carlson County School District is one step closer to having a permanent superintendent. Acting Superintendent Anita Huggins has now said that she does intend to accept that role. Last week in a 5-4 to four vote, the school board offered Huggins the job, but not without some controversy first. The four opposing voters said that they were not against Huggins herself, but rather the process of how she was chosen, which they claimed was racist. Huggins, who's a white woman, did not have to interview for the role, whereas the chief academic officer and the last superintendent did and they're both black. Huggins did list one condition that she needs to take the role a meeting with all nine of those school board members to tell them her priorities and answer any of their questions. And we're learning new details this morning about the Charleston County School Board's decision to offer Huggins that full role. And Autumn Klein is here now with more on this story. So Autumn, tell us about this investigation, what the team has found as well. Well, we now know a state lawmaker has been involved in pushing for CCSD's acting superintendent, Anita Huggins, to take full control of the district's top office. District 112 House Republican Representative Joe Bustos penned a letter to school board member Ed Kelly to recommend the board of trustees select Huggins as the district's next superintendent. That letter is dated January 18th, four days before the board voted to offer Huggins a three-year contract. Bustos says Huggins has the extensive knowledge of the district and is well-respected, saying her qualifications are without question. Bustos also says her selection is in the best interest of taxpayers as well, arguing it would save money to not have to do another nationwide search for candidates. Huggins replaced Superintendent Dr. Eric Gallion, who resigned after just a few months into the job. And as we mentioned before, those who voted against offering Huggins a contract said they did so because they believed she should go through an interview process. For Live 5 News, I'm Autumn Klein. Thank you, Autumn. Well, too many students and not enough teachers. That's what one Berkeley County parent says is a very serious concern for them. The district, however, says it's not a problem for their schools, and they tell us 
they're following proper, proper procedures to make sure the right standards are met. The Berkeley County School District says they work with a consultant every year to help them make projections on the number of students in their schools, and they are following class size caps. However, some parents shared concerns that one teacher cannot possibly tend to every single one of their students with more than 30 kids in a class. One parent says she's had to supplement her child's education with a private tutor, which she pays for out of pocket. We pay for a tutor because uh, the teachers, they just honestly, they just don't have the time because they're they're asked to do the impossible and um you know i feel kind of bad for them but at the same time you know your kid needs what your kid needs the district does say that while they're currently looking at about 27 total vacancies in the district those numbers could change once they find out who plans to stay or leave for the next school year the Williamsburg County School District is making moves to address some safety concerns in their schools. The district released a statement yesterday saying that they are sponsoring a new security initiative. The district will now employ several school security officers, or SSOs, at their middle schools and high schools. Those officers have been hired to help administrators handle behavioral outbursts and provide an extra layer of security. They'll be able to make arrests on campus as well. We're told they'll also cross-train with the sheriff's office to be able to respond proactively in a case of a crisis like an active shooter. We're now taking a look at the latest numbers for two special elections here in the Lowcountry. Let's start with House District 109, which covers portions of Charleston and Dorchester counties. Two Democratic candidates, Tiffany Span Wilder and Eduardo Curry II, were looking to take over the House seat vacated by Dion Tedder, who was elected to the state Senate. While those races have not been called officially just yet, unofficial results show Span Wilder in the lead with just over 60% of the vote. Now, Kiowa Island residents voted to fill a seat on the town council. Alex Fernandez and Madeline Kay were both running for the seat. The latest unofficial results showed Kay in the lead. Just weeks after a visit to the Grand Strand, Vice President Kamala Harris will be back in the Palmetto State this week. Harris, First Lady Dr. Joe Biden, and President Joe Biden all visited South Carolina in the last few weeks. This time, Harris will head to South Carolina State University in Orangeburg on Friday to drum up voters. This visit is set to come one day before the early voting period ends, ahead of the state's Democratic primary on Saturday. The vice president is not the only member of the Biden administration headed to the low country this week. Today, Mitch Landrew, the senior advisor and infrastructure coordinator, will be headed to the College of Charleston on behalf of the Biden campaign. Landrew is coming to speak at the college as part of its Bully Pulpit series focused on connecting students with the nation's leaders. The event is set to take place in the Stern Student Center located at 71 George Street from 10 a.m. to 11 a.m. Doors open at 9 the event is free and open to the public, but there will be a clear back policy in place. Around 200 Charleston-based companies are being recognized for their contributions to the community. The 20th annual Charleston County Economic Development Luncheon is held yearly as a way to celebrate these businesses and their accomplishments, like job creation and investment in the community. Businesses including Firefly Distillery, Molina Healthcare, Scientific Research Corporation, and Neal Brothers were all recognized at yesterday's event. 
The Charleston County Parks and Recreation Commission will be hearing some public comment on the development of a former hospital site along the Ashley River. Now, the commission announced back in November that it planned to start up a partnership with another company. It's something that North Charleston Mayor Reggie Burgess calls an inconsistency with the city's wishes. Burgess released a letter a week ago voicing his concerns over a potential manufacturing facility, which would go on the 11 acres of the property. The commission announced that it was planning to hear from community members early this year. So far, nothing has been posted on the website, but we'll keep you updated as we learn more information. Passionate Ravenel neighbors filled last night's town council meeting, urging council members to vote no on a zoning change. The switch would allow for more than 100 houses to be developed in a subdivision on Drayton Street, and residents have a lot of concerns. Meredith Blair has been following this story, and she explains the decision that was made. After over an hour of residents voicing why they don't want to see this zoning change go through, plus a few intense outbursts, council decided to table this vote until their next meeting. Council members said they needed more time to understand the plans that will take place if the vote goes through and scheduled a workshop to discuss further. Some residents were relieved to see it tabled versus being approved. Mayor Stephen Tumbleston recused himself from this matter as the property owners of the 96 acres of land up for discussion are family to him. Several residents showed up to the meeting in t-shirts that read, oppose the rezone, our town depends on it. We love together, we live together, we work together, we support one another. And so this is a show of solidarity that the town people hear, that we support each other, that, that we're behind each other. Mayor Tumbleston did not respond to me for a request for comment, and Mayor Pro Tim Waters said that he did not want to speak on the matter at this time. Reporting in Ravenel, Meredith Blair, Life 5 News. And that council workshop is scheduled for February 15th at 6 p.m. The public is allowed to attend, but you can only listen. This just into our first alert desk. We're learning about a reported shooting in Colleton County. Now, these are images out of the Roundo area where sheriff's deputies and fire rescue teams were called to investigate an unconscious man in a truck on Monday night. The person who called in the incident said they believe the man may have been shot Law enforcement says the driver had swerved off the road and hit several trees. They are investigating the incident but have not yet confirmed whether or not the man who died was shot or killed in the crash. That's the latest here from our first alert desk. The county has approved a $1 million contribution toward the construction of a new Tri-County Biological Science Center. DNA involved in criminal investigations will be processed at that science center to help with some local investigations. Let's check in now with our Destiny Kennedy, who's live at the center site in North Charleston, and she'll tell us this center, how it'll help law enforcement during the investigation process. Good morning, Destiny. Good morning, Shelby and Katie. Officials with the Berkeley County Sheriff's Office say the center will improve the turnaround times for crime scene investigations. The Biological Science Center is a partnership between Berkeley, Dorchester, and Charleston counties. The Berkeley County Council approved the funding in an agreement with Charleston County on Monday. DNA will be processed at the Biological Science Center, helping increase the efficiency of DNA testing in the Tri-County area. This will be done by speeding up local criminal investigations and reducing the backlog at the South Carolina Law Enforcement Division's Forensic Service Laboratory. The Biological Science Center will be located here at 3765 Leeds Avenue in North Charleston. The project is currently in the design development phase. Once construction is completed, a two-year accreditation process will begin. 
Construction is set to start in June with the final completion in 2025. Reporting live in North Charleston, Destiny Kennedy, Live 5 News. This morning, a man is in custody after a standoff with Dorchester County deputies in Ladson. The Dorchester County Sheriff's Office says they were called to a home on Grand Oaks Drive for a domestic violence situation just after 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon. Authorities say two female victims were being held in a hostage situation, but deputies were able to get them out safely. The sheriff's office tells us negotiators were eventually able to convince a suspect to come out of the house without any issues. The name of that suspect has not yet been released. The Orangeburg County Sheriff's Office says a separate standoff has ended peacefully after 12 hours. That incident started just after midnight Sunday morning when deputies tell us a woman came to investigators claiming to have escaped from her ex-husband after he kidnapped her at gunpoint. Authorities were able to track that suspect, Harvey McDaniel, to a home in Cope where the standoff all started. We're told McDaniel eventually did surrender and no one was hurt in that incident, but deputies did find multiple weapons inside of the home. The Orangeburg County Sheriff's Office says three people are facing drug charges after a traffic stop. And deputies tell us that 24-year-old Elijah Grant and 55-year-old Aretha Brooks are both facing multiple charges, including trafficking cocaine and methamphetamines and possession with intent to distribute. Authorities say they later searched the pair's home where they found a large amount of illegal narcotics, a gun, and digital scales. According to the sheriff's office, a third suspect, 25-year-old Emmanuel Johnson, was also charged with trafficking methamphetamines. A man accused of killing two people in a hit and run has now been arrested again. He was out on bond during that incident most recently. Our Nick Reagan has been following this case for years now. He tells us this is not the first or even the second time this suspect has been behind bars. Nick. Yeah, Katie Shelby, Dion Lethel Gibson has now been arrested three times in three years while waiting for that first case to go through the courts. He was arrested in 2020 for leaving the scene of a hit and run that killed Lance Davis and his girlfriend, Brittany Reeves. The pair were on a motorcycle when the crash took place. Now, he was given bond, violated it, and was arrested again in 2022 for violating bond. He was given 60 days behind bars, but was then released again. In December, he was arrested for a third time, this time for allegedly assaulting a police officer, trafficking drugs, and possession of a firearm. He also has a number of other cases that have since been resolved. We have done multiple stories about how Gibson's case is indicative of the problems in South Carolina's legal system, where it takes years for a case to go to trial while victims are waiting for justice and the accused are out posting bond. Now, Jackie Britt is the mother of the man who was killed in that hit and run. She says she's tired of waiting for justice. I hope he dies in there. I, I hope he stays in there until he dies. I have been trying for almost three and a half years to get him locked up because all he got was a slap on the wrist with an ankle monitor. Now, as of this morning, Gibson is still being held at the Alcannon Detention Center. His lawyer has declined to provide a statement. Shelby. At the top of the show, I told you that on this date in 1949, TV's first daytime soap opera premiered in Chicago. It was a 15-minute show. And, of course, in those days, it was all live. The name of the show was These Are My Children. It only lasted for about two months, but it would pave the way for decades of soap operas to come. 
Celebrating birthdays this Wednesday, composer Philip Glass is 87. Actress Minnie Driver is 54. Saturday Night Live's Bobby Moynihan is 47. And singer Justin Timberlake is 43. Thank you so much for joining us for Morning Y'all from Live 5 News. I'm Katie Kamen. We're halfway through the week. I'll talk to you tomorrow. Morning Y'all is produced every weekday morning. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and download the Live 5 News app for your mobile device. Get the latest news and weather updates 24-7 from Live 5 News, the Low Country's news leader.